up, YouTube? Just getting my stuff straightened out here. I can tell the kids have come through the office in a fury of, a flurry of um, disarray. I'm sure when I go to my computer here in just a minute to post this episode once we're done, I'm sure my keyboard will be turned off, my mouse will be turned off, my computer will be turned off. And some, uh, one of our local friends at the coffee shop this morning tries to talk me into having children because he has a new child. Seth. And, and, and yes, and Blake has children. And, and well, we got and, you there. And, and yeah, that's just what I want is children so they can come through my area and just mess everything up. You know, I mean, Look, the for the life of me. Look, man, you gotta quit being so selfish. For for the life of me, I cannot understand why y'all want to have kids. I tell you what, I, I think people want to have kids just because it's just the, the societal norm. It's just the normal thing to do, man. That's all I can figure. Because I can't figure any other reason. I mean, you're getting to be a ripe old age to be having kids. Look, and, and that's what I try to tell people anyways. Y'all are trying to ask the old bull to have children. My seed is no good anymore. I'm beyond my seed age. All right. Boy, you're getting hammered here on YouTube for talking like this. Well, look. <laughs> look. People saying the Bible says to have kids. What's just... up, YouTube? <laughs> Send it, son. I like it when YouTube gets fired up, man. Um, look, the Bible. Look, I know what y'all are saying. The Bible says to have kids. Well, I believe that was just back in the day when there wasn't many humans around. And Is that what the rest of the Bible's for, too? Uh, <laughs> or just look. part of it? Look, God was mad because he looked down at all the humans and said, these people ain't having kids, and I know why they don't want kids, because it would be miserable to have kids. But he said, look, y'all going to have to have some kids, or this whole thing's, every, all y'all going to go instinct. So <laughs> get <Instinct>. busy. <laughs> instinct. <laughs> y'all don't want to go instinct now, do you? No, don't let y'all. You, you've hey, got to have kids. You cannot. You like them dinosaurs. You cannot let this go instinct. The Lord God, he said, boy, if I don't get on these humans about having kids, that all this is just going to be over. Good gosh, I'm not ready yet. Y'all get to being fruitful and multiplying. I know you don't want to, but by gosh, do it. Well, don't you still have to do that now or we'll go instinct? <laughs> well... You know, I'm asking, um, look, where there's enough dummies out there that want to have kids that we're not going to, we, we don't have to be worried about going instinct. All right. <laughs> Those of you guys who are like me and actually want to maximize what you're able to do in life, you won't have kids. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, Blake. That's a bad way to be talking right there, son. He's liable to be getting smited. 
<laughs> y'all got me started on it. I didn't. All y'all just, but look, anyway. he's just retaliating because we got him at the coffee shop. So now he's got. Look, this. I never got him. I. It was you and uh. Shout out to our boy Seth. It was you and and him uh telling him to have kids. Yeah, if, if y'all are ever, he tried in, to get me to have kids, and I said, "Look, man, I'm a kid." Yeah. Look, all, no all of y'all that have kids, quit trying to convince other people to have kids. You know, you know, you don't like having kids. Look, when this podcast is, if we're still doing it, when Chad's about fifty or sixty, we'll see if he's still happy about his decision. Oh, I'll be so joyful. <laughs> Look, if MT, MT knives, you know him. Yeah, he said you ain't mentally tough enough to have kids. <laughs> Oh, I got him. I think I'm not mentally retarded enough to have kids. <laughs> um, hey, if y'all are ever in Rome, go over here. Go by this <laughs> coffee shop here. We're talking about it's called the Sharp Sickle. Jesus and Coffees, three two nine Broad Street. Uh, my man Seth down there. He makes a great cup of coffee. So does Megan. They make really good coffee. They're they're wonderful people down there. They've got a. They're running a sort of a ministry uh, out of this coffee shop here. Pretty nice. They, and they actually have good coffee. You know, it's, you know, Christian um, ministry, you know, this and that, it's getting better. You know, you, you, the old Christian movies, they were terrible. But it's getting better. You know, now we have things like Chosen. You saw that movie the other night, right, Blake? Jesus Revolution. You said that was good. Yeah. You remember how terrible all the old Christian movies used to be? Yep. They were awful. And music. And you go. You used to go into kind of Christian shops, and they just kind of had like, you know, not very good coffee and just like beads and weird stuff in there. But this place right here, they're doing it right. Sharpsicle's doing it right. They don't sponsor the podcast, by the way. That's just where we get our coffee. Do you got anything to say about having kids? Yeah, you ought to have some. My seed's bad. You I burned you, all, you I, ain't broadcast it yet. I burned so all my <laughs> I burned all my seed up in uh in the sauna. You've at least got to try planting some of it before you say it's bad. <laughs> the Bible says don't spill your seed. Oh, man. Y'all it says talk that about children that? are like arrows in your quiver too. You trying to you trying to roll around with a bow with no arrows? Well, we didn't say we wanted to talk about it, but you seem to. Well, yeah, I just had to put that out there this morning because it seems like everybody who have kids wants to convince other people to have kids, and they know they don't like it. That's what's funny to me. You know, oh, it's like crabs in a bucket. You know why uh, people who have kids want to convince other people to have kids? Because if they see everyone around them as miserable as they are, then they then they won't feel so miserable. There's <laughs> <laughs> crabs in the bucket, Ryan. What does that got to do with I crabs told in a bucket? <laughs> oh man! I told y'all, boy. So you're uh, you're the only one that don't have to be miserable, then? Or you me and, and you? You and everybody else that don't have kids. Look at me and you, man. We're the soul force, man. Chili ain't even married. I know. What's that? I can't for the life of me figure out why someone would get married and then not have kids. (laughs) (laughs) Can you, Chili? (laughs) That's what Chad did, huh? I can't figure out why anyone do that. He he got he got wed and then let his seed dry up. 
<laughs> I mean, what in the world, man? I advocate for marriage. I think marriage is a wonderful thing. Bible says it is. <laughs> What's it say about kids? <laughs> I don't know. I have to study up on it. <laughs> Ignorance, son. <laughs> I've never studied up on it. Ignorance. You haven't read on kids? No. Nah. You Try got- to stay away from that topic. <laughs> That's the way to be. H, he said, Chad needs multiple wives. A wise man once said, wherever there's a need, I will plant my seed. (laughs) (laughs) My my wife watches this show on TV about one of these Mormon heads, and uh, he has multiple wives, you know, and she was telling me yesterday, she was like, these people's lives are just in a perpetual state of complete chaos. And, um, yeah, multiple wives, whew, no, no, sir. <laughs> Whoever thought that was a good idea is a blithering dummy. All right. One wife is good. Multiple wives, terrible idea. Okay. Um, oh, I wanted to tell you guys, Blake, Blake starts out uh, every time we come in here in the podcast room here he starts our day off with a video from david goggins <laughs> what where did that what 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 happened with that blake they, when i go to start the live they're just on there and i try to motivate you and give you something to lift your spirits and you know so it's so just, it's it's a good way to I, kick off i used to podcast i used to hate david goggins um but i have i have finally gotten mature enough to appreciate the man <clears throat> that's not meaning that i agree with everything and nor we shouldn't all we're not all gonna ever agree on everything but i used to hate that dude i talked about it on the enough said podcast the other day why did why did i used to hate david goggins it's because i i was literally indoctrinated to hate this individual let me tell you, I told y'all on the Enough Said podcast, this th- this is something that you might not know about the Navy. The Navy indoctrinates you to think that you should never accomplish anything greater than the Navy. That's how they protect their image, and that's how they protect their assets, right? I'm just telling y'all the truth. Y'all, none of, nobody else will tell you this. This is the truth. Um. So anybody that gets out of the Navy, and especially the SEAL teams, and actually goes and starts crushing life, I mean, and you could say the dude's crushed it. Chili said the other day, David Goggins is probably the most famous ultra runner that's ever lived. How is that? I mean, It's, it's undisputed, right? He's crushed it. And so anybody that does that, the Navy hates them. Because then it doesn't make the Navy look quite as good, right? You did it on your own. You did it on your own. That's exactly right. And they, they hate that. So then they'll, they'll start to turn on that person and they'll indoctrinate everyone that they possibly can to think that that person is actually a turd and they're just using the Navy in order to get to where you earn, get the success that they've had when that's not even the, that's not the reality. In that dude's case, in uh, in Jocko's case, in any of these guys' case, they, they got out of the Navy and they went on to do bigger and better things, right? 
So I actually like David Goggins now. I can't wait till I meet him sometime. Well, I'm yeah. going to give him a hug. <laughs> well, yeah, I remember it was like two years ago, and I was like, well, why in the world would you not like like him? I ain't saying you got to like him. In fact, I'm saying, why would you have an opinion if you hadn't met him? Yeah. I mean, that's all I remember saying. I was like, what the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> but I think it was, I mean, I think it was, like you said, just, you know, you felt like you were supposed to. Uh, you know what? I've, I've been considering this lately. As many times as I've been on this podcast and as many times as I've gone and been on other people's podcasts and this and that, and as much talking as I've done, um, I have never actually shared my real story in, in fullness. All, all anyone's ever gotten is these little snippets, the heart surgery, the struggles, the this, the that. It's just all a bunch of little snippets. And nobody's ever actually heard what the crap has really happened. Well, that's probably because I've spent the last little while and I'm still right now currently unraveling all the crap in my own mind. As I, You guys have heard me make comments like, I lived with two lesbians. Um, and <laughs> did you know that was because I was homeless? Did you know what led me to being in that situation? Like, all this crap, none of y'all know it because I've never told it. Like, in chronological order, it would take a while to tell it. But um, that's just another, the thing with uh, Mr. Goggins is just another little snippet of just the crap that has happened in my life until finally... Um, Christ killed my old self, and then that was the very beginning of my new self, and yeah, I'm unraveling it all. One day, I'll tell y'all the whole story. I don't know when or where. I don't know what. Well, I don't know. I guess I need to have it all unraveled in my own mind first, but I tell you what, there's been a line of crap. Some of it I can't even hardly, some of it you can't even hardly tell because it involves other people that are still alive, you know, and they'll be pissed off about it. It's weird, man. Does anybody, can anybody relate to what I'm saying here? Well, I think, yeah, probably everybody can. It's whether they are willing to accept that or not. Everybody's been through a pretty yeah. good bit of crap. Boy, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, you're right, Blake. You're right. You're right. We're all a bunch of bunch of screwed up people. Thank thank God for His Son Jesus Christ, because uh, whoo, man, sure would be rough without Him. Um, okay. Blake just had these printed off for y'all. <clears throat> y'all don't know that. Y'all see this? <laughs> all right, YouTube. You see this? This is the way my... Y'all don't believe this. Explain <laughs> what's going on for the podcast listeners. Um, <laughs> hey, how many people we got on YouTube? I don't know, probably like 125. All right. Look, here we go. If you're not watching this on YouTube, my, 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 on my left hand, my pinky, when I, when I straighten my hand out, will not come up with the rest of my fingers. Look at this. Look at this, YouTube. That's so fake. That is not fake. Nobody believes this happened. Look at snapping. Okay. This dab burn hand is ruined. 
I don't even have, I can't even have any strength in this hand anymore. So, this is the thing right here. This is the sign language for later turds. All right. Now, so if you got some, if you're hanging around some turds out in public and you're just tired of being around them, just do this and walk off. Don't even say nothing. All right. Just do this and walk <laughs> off. So, Blake had these stickers custom printed for you guys. They're live on the website. Can y'all see that? Can they see that, Blake? Yeah. Yep, live on the website under accessories with all the rest of the stickers. And boy, those are beauties. That's an awesome sticker right there, man. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think I'm going to put this on the Land Cruiser. I have this sticker I'm going to put on the Land Cruiser. And then I also have that other sticker that I bought from um, Sharpsicle the other day. What does it say? I forget exactly what it says, but it's a rainbow. And it looks like the homosexual uh, people, the rainbow that they use. Mm. Um, and then underneath it, it says, Jesus saves. And I just, I just, or something like that. And I just loved it because the homosexuals have stolen the, the image of the rainbow. The, rain, the rainbow is actually, the origins of it is actually a promise that God made to humanity to never destroy humanity in a flood again so you're just reclaiming it yes yes <laughs> what were you laughing about over there tech guy <laughs> somebody has changed their youtube name to sherbet green <laughs> and he said sherbet green he said son. i'm here for my free shirt <laughs> we got sherbet green on the podcast today instructor sherbet green over here son <clears throat> yeah you can change your YouTube name to Sherbet Green all you want, but be on the lookout for Officer Green coming soon to a YouTube channel near you. Yep, yep. We've uh, <clears throat> we've got some stuff in the works with old Officer Sherbet Green. He is a doozy, son. He is a doozy. That's epic. All right, we're about to dig into the conversation, but before we do so, I'm going to tell you guys one of our one of our major friends and partners from the very well nearly the very beginning you guys maybe if you have been around for a while you've heard us talk about uh this product called salty britches all right amy is a a, a good close friend of ours she's been on the podcast and uh, she has just poured her her heart and mind and her effort into creating salty britches and i've actually probably been using salty britches for Good gracious, now what, five years? A long, long time. It's a tried and true anti-chafing ointment uh, that we keep with us, I mean, pretty much everywhere we go because chafing really, really sucks, okay? And you don't, it, uh, it's not just runners that experience chafing. I learned that on my mountain bike ride. Uh, that was some of the worst chafing I've ever had on my mountain bike ride. Um, so it happens in all different areas of life, unless you're just a lazy turd and you don't do anything. Uh, this is a great product to have around the house. I've used it in multiple 100-mile races, used it on my mountain bike race. I've used it in, in wet conditions, dry conditions, hot conditions, cold conditions. I've used it. 
over the course of five years in pretty much every way that you can possibly use it. Chili just used it this last weekend on the basic course. Yeah, man. Yeah, I wasn't. I didn't have any trouble with blisters, but uh, I was starting to. Uh, my feet were wet, man. I was starting to get trench foot. You you can't be letting yourself get no trench foot. So, salty britches works as a barrier, skin barrier ointment. Yep, skin barrier. So once you put it on, it really keeps your actual foot from soaking in that moisture, which uh, is pretty helpful when you're trying to avoid the trench foot. So yeah, I, it worked like a charm for me. The main places I use salty britches is on my loins and on my feet. I like to yep. take salty britches and coat my feet in a thin coat of salty britches and then pull my sock on and then actually put my shoe on before I start a long, long run. All right. And then it's also great to be used on your loins, the whole loin. <laughs> Just coat the whole loin in salty britches and you're going to be good to go. All right. Good stuff. Check them out at getsaltybritches.com. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Salty Britches. Awesome product. Okay. Y'all ever wake up in the morning? I'll tell you what. I woke up this morning, and I don't know if y'all ever have days like this. I, I was out there standing in the rain, getting ready to start my run, and this was one of them days for me that, um, Chili, what the crap are you doing over there, man? Well, I was looking up a verse that went along with what you were saying for the ad read, but it's a little late now. So, <laughs> yeah, it's your way late. <laughs> Although it, man, it's good. What is it? Psalm 38 7 says, For my loins are full of burning pain and there is no health in my body. And, uh, Oof. I was like, I'd print that on the tube if I was her. But anyway, yeah, that's all I wanted. <laughs> See, people been getting chafed from way back, ancient of days. I woke up. I was going to do my run this morning, man. I just, I've been really pumped, man, about training and stuff. But for some reason this morning, I just felt like, why the crap am I doing this? What? Why am I doing this? Had a reassessment. That's that's really. It, it was really strange, man. Because I've been fired up, and it didn't feel good to just be standing out there in the rain getting ready for this long run, which was our Team PT this morning, and just thinking, man, what the world, why am I doing this? What What are you, do you ever have those moments, Chili? Well, I was going to ask you, going back weeks ago, I we had talked about you may be doing this, and I was like, well, it doesn't seem like there's a great, reason behind it or a bigger like a much bigger i mean not that there's not always a bigger reason that you do everything that you do mm -hmm. but it seems like it just the specific this specific race like why this specifically wasn't crystal clear you know and um i think if it's not that can certainly lend itself to you at least having a point where you go man why exactly am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Because that's what I've always told people before is that whole why, like what's your why and your mindset thing. I've always thought that was kind of silly, but at the same time, if you go <clears throat> embark on a hundred mile race and start asking yourself why you're there 70 miles in and you don't already have the answer loaded up, you ain't going to find it at mile 70. 
<laughs> I mean, probably not. Mm-hmm. But if you've got it loaded up, then when you start asking yourself again, you can be like, look, I've got the answer. I mean, I'm th- this is why. And yeah. then you keep pressing on. So I always thought it was important, you know, before you before you start to have that answer and before you even start the training block, have that answer because you're going to also experience those questions in, in training. And it doesn't mean you're just going to stop if you don't answer it. But a lot of times it just, it's a lot better if you have that answer so you can know why you're training that hard. Yeah. And, and you can be like, well, I'm training that hard because I'm signed up for this race. Yeah, but why are you signed up for the race? Yeah. Well, because I got to do, you know, I got to do something. I've got to, we got to, well, that's not, I mean, that ain't real solid there. Yeah. You know, to me, it's like, I, I need, I need something like I'm doing this race because of X, Y, Z. I mean, it is whatever, whatever it, whatever works in your mind, like something outside of yourself clear uh, that that will clearly come from it Mm -hmm. or clearly can come from it. I don't know, but I think that's why that happens. Well, that's the way I felt this morning. And, but I went and did what I I just went and did what I needed to do anyways. Well, yeah. You know, so, um, Chili, Chili is one of these people though, that he, he thinks that it's important to know what you want, which is a really strange concept for me personally. He he was just trying to just melt my brain out at the basic course last weekend of talking about what talking about figuring out what you want. Well, I don't know, man. That's always been a that that I so I if I could, if somebody asked me, how did you get to where you are today? I, I've always said the best answer that I could give you is I just simply did what was in front of me. Like, there's never, there was never a plan. There was never this thing that I wanted that was, you know, an alt, something that I ultimately wanted that wasn't always there, like driving me. Like e- even if you think about the the genesis of three of seven project, there were things that I wanted to accomplish. Yeah, but like ultimately, what do you want? I almost feel like that begins to take form along the way for me. It's strange how that how that works for me. But Chili says he's always known what he wants. Yeah, always. But with you, I, I would be I would clear up two things. I don't know that but, I would. Hey, fr- YouTube, hold on, YouTube. If you know what you want in life, or what is that the right way to put it? If you know what you want, well. Drop drop it in the comments. I want to hear some of the things you guys want. If if you but if you guys are like me and don't really know what the crap you want, yeah, let me know that too. Well, I would rephrase it. What I told you is like not not that you should do what you want, but it's 
I think you should look at your, you should, you should really think what ought I do? What should I do? Yeah. Not what do I want to do? What should I be doing? Mm -hmm. I think that's the question to contemplate. And also with you, I don't know that it's that you, that I'm necessarily saying that you need to have this ultimate goal. But I've always said, whether you realize it or not, you had a goal. You had a thing that you desired. Like with SEAL training, when you made that decision to go, I don't know. I'm not saying that you needed to be like, man, my ultimate goal is to become a SEAL, have a 12-year career, retire from the teams, start 3 of 7 Project, and do this, this, and this. But your goal was to, well, when you entered training, become a SEAL. And you did that. Then you set another goal. I don't think that's a problem. You know, you see what I'm saying? Mm. I mean, that's, that's what you did that was right in front of you every time. You did one goal at a time. And that's a good thing. But I do think that sometimes when, you're, when you do things one thing at a time, you are slightly inhibited if you lack the ability to also maintain a longer-term vision. I definitely think the people that are the most successful can do, can do both simultaneously, mm. and that seems paradoxical. But they literally move from one thing to the next, one at a time, staying in the present moment, yet also have a very clear longer-term vision that they're that eat that sequentially each of their goals one at a time works them towards mm -hmm. and that's a that's a hard balance to keep and that's a hard thing for people to even understand i think because so the longer term the longer term vision is the part that i really struggle with right you don't know what you want ultimately in the end yeah for certain things yeah that that's i think that's why i question myself a lot of like what what it why am i doing this like what am i doing mm -hmm. i think that's why i question myself a lot on like what am i doing even if it's a good goal that i have for myself and like it's a good thing i'm striving for and maybe it's even something that i ought to be doing yeah but i still question myself if it's like why am i doing this because the long the long term um ultimate the ultimate objective or long term vision is something really hard to for me to to perceive, and so when you're executing these, you know these micro goals, that they, they they can't be used as stepping stones to something that you're eventually trying to reach because that thing that you're eventually trying to reach is is not really if it doesn't exist you can't mm -hmm. you, you know so. I was thinking about that. That's one of the big, um, that's one of the cool parts about you, Blake, uh, James, doing the, helping helping our students develop the mission statement at, um, at the Proving Grounds. That's really something that I need to do. I need to sit down and go through that process. I've seen you guys teach it six times. No, probably four times. And, um, I need to take the time to do that because I am so good at just being super present and just focusing on 
what is what is the next thing? What is the next goal? Um, and choosing challenging things and things that I ought to be doing. But then a lot of times, like I say, I get lost in why am I actually doing this? Because it's so hard for me to look at something way out here, you know? Well, I do think we're talking about multiple things at (laughs) once, which is fine. But I don't, when you say you don't know what you want, you mean long term? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you can know what you want. I mean, you know what you want right now in the short term. No, not really. Okay. <laughs> so you're just So what well, and I wanted you to explain to the people too. What what were you talking about? You want um you were saying something like you want freedom from freedom or something like that. <laughs> what were you talking about that? Well, yeah. I mean, I think this could apply to other people and and does apply to other people other than just you. Well, but, this is my podcast, so if it only applies to me, well, that's fine. Well, I said this to you specifically, uh, but yeah, I said you are in a place where you want freedom from freedom. See, not a lot of people know that the tyranny that rules with the sharpest sword is freedom. Freedom is a tyranny. And oftentimes people can find themselves in a place in life where they can do whatever they want for the most part. That's freedom. That's the state that people who don't find themselves in that position are constantly striving for. Yeah. Yet when you find yourself in that position, all you want is for somebody or something to put structure to your life and kind of put you back in a box to where you have less of a choice. Mm. So like with many things, there's problems to both and you're not going to be fully fulfilled through the experience that your experience uh, alone. And it reminds me of an old Thomas Sowell quote. There are no solutions, only trade-offs. And he was a great economist and he was speaking uh, maybe some social issues, but also economic issues and political issues when he said that, but it applies to absolutely everything. There are no solutions, only trade-offs. So you're working at a job that you hate and you have very little money, but you're trying to work your butt off so you can become financially stable and have much more freedom is also an illusion, but we can get to that later. But, uh, so you can get more freedom than you have, or at least seem to have more freedom than you have yet. When you get there, it, it, a whole new host of problems happens and you find that it's not a solution to what you were going through. It was a trade-off. You traded some of the angst and problems that you had for a whole, for a new set. Mm Mm-hmm. And then usually what you'll do 
until you die is flip-flop between the two. And and that's the cycle that that everyone remains in literally until they die. And I don't think people look at it that way in terms of freedom being a tyranny that that actually if they saw it that way before they spent their life trying to gain more freedom, what I would say is probably not actually what they think they're getting, then it would actually help them in the current state that they find themselves in. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But you can't realize that. I mean, you can't even realize it when you get it because then you just... I think people try to put themselves in a box and you see people just long and yearn for structure again and and it's not somebody telling them what to do but it's basically and also i think it's also i think it's also tied to purpose yeah yeah of course yeah because yeah, like you said when you're when you're in those when you're stuck in those years where you're not you're not happy with or you feel like you're not happy with the amount of freedom financially, freedom with your time, freedom with all this. You feel you you you're you have this major purpose that's driving you every single day right. to work your way yep. to a place where you 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 can you you're above all of that, right? Sure. So you have this driving purpose that whole time. But then when you reach that place the, the, Chili's exactly right, man, as he unpacks this, because I like to remind people quite often, uh, for some reason, I, I like to remind people, I don't have to do any of this. Yep. <laughs> and I wonder what people think when I, when I say that. I, I mean, but I it, it's, it's, it's the truth. Um, now, now I, I, in a way, it's the truth. In a way, it's, in a, yes, as far as the time that I, that, me personally, that I spend the, the the effort that I put in, which isn't much according to you and Blake. Um, but you know, I, I I am in a position now because of my past life, um, carnally. All right, that I don't have to do anything. Right, uh, that I that I don't just want to do, um, and so. It has been difficult. It has been, dude. The last few years of my life have been extremely difficult. Just cha- have been challenging internally for me because I'm in this position. And I can remember back when I was active duty, back when I had zero, uh, literally for the entire time I was in the Navy, I didn't do anything. Chad wanted to do nothing and I could remember thinking man if I can just stay if I can just do this long enough I'm eventually going to reach a point where when I leave here I'm not going to have to do I'm going to get to do whatever Chad wants to do if I want to hunt every day I can do that Right. If I just want to disappear and go hike the Appalachian Trail I can do that and then you reach that point and you live in it for a couple of months. And then you're like, holy crap, 
This is starting to really suck. <laughs> this is weird, man. What an illusion it is. Well, I would, yeah, I would call that the the tyranny of freedom. And the the funny thing is, though, is I've talked about this ad nauseum. There's definitely people sick of it. But I would argue you... Not that there wouldn't be consequences. That's usually the difference, is what are the consequences of you doing what you want. But you could have done what you wanted in the Navy. You just... No, I would have been incarcerated. Right. Yeah. I mean, but you could have, for a moment, decided to do whatever you wanted. I mean, like, you never had... Like, you never lost the ability to do that, but... Because of the situation you were in and the consequences you were faced with and what you had worked for and what was ahead of you, you you wanted to play by the rules more so than you wanted to deviate to what you wanted to do, you know, also wanted to do. You wanted to just do what you were supposed to do more so you could, so everything would be cool, mm-hmm. right? You know, but now... What changed is when you were able to retire and is you, you don't have consequences for not doing what what you yeah actually but 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 actually I think that's why it's a silly statement when you when you tell people that because I think you have there's consequences that you don't see and I'm not just talking about consequences for whoever like like me and Blake since we work with you like there would obviously be consequences for us if you just left and said I'll just do whatever I want but there would <laughs> but but there would also be consequences for you that you don't see yeah uh, like and you just basically agreed with me by saying that you can do that for a few months, but then it gets miserable. Oh, yeah. So, like, that's kind of what you're forgetting. Like, you know, and uh, it's just funny because we can, we all can do whatever we want. I mean, I'm not in the position that you're in. I would have more consequences, but I could do whatever I wanted to. Yeah. So could Blake. I mean, yeah, Blake's got a wife and two kids. A- ain't nobody holding him hostage saying he can't just move to Mexico right now and... Mm-hmm and integrate into the Sinaloa cartel. I mean, he he could absolutely do that. He is a full-functioning person. He, he's he got the ability to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why I always say we do ultimately what we want to do most. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the position we're all in is I think we're doing what we want to do because – or we're doing what we are doing because we we want to at the deepest part of ourselves. And so tying it all back to the race that you're doing, you want to do it for some reason, but you don't know why really. But have you, I, I just wonder how much have you thought about why you want to do it? Or have you even thought about that at all? I've thought about it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think when, when you don't think about it, we're often confused by our own desires and we don't even understand our own desires. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't think we can manipulate our own desires to where we can be like, well, I just, I don't want to want to do that race. I mean, that's a weird sentence to even say. Or, or you're like, well, I don't really want to do that, but I'm going to, I'm going to make myself want to do it. I mean, th- that, that, if you could figure that out, that would fix everybody's weight loss journey. I mean, it would like you could just, you could just make yourself want to eat the right things and do the right amounts of exercise. You could, it'd be perfect. That's the hack to life. That's the secret to life. But I know that that is what causes our actions to be what they are, is what we want. So I don't know that you're going to figure it out by the time that you race, but I know that's what you want to do. So I would just think about it deeply and try to figure it out. But you may not. Desires are a weird thing. When you ask yourself why you want to do something, a lot of times you come up empty. Well, I've got a question for you. Uh, I was hoping you were going to shed some spiritual light on this conversation, tech guy. Yeah, I could could share a few things. <sighs> but first, I'm going to ask you a question. Is The races that you've done in the past, we're just talking about races here. So the races you've done in the past, there's been a few of them where you've either said you're doing them for somebody or for a certain type of people. And was that a tool just to get you through the, because you signed, did you decide you were going to do that race and then sign up for it? Was that your why? Or was that person or thing a tool to get you through the race to, because you didn't know your why? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's usually a tool to, to give you, to get you more, through. more purpose yeah. in the midst of it. Yeah. So even back through there, it was st- your wife was maybe still uncertain, huh? In the past races you've done. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. In the in the beginning, it usually <laughs> begins to take form and work its way out, though. I um, I would say that the the freedom part of it, like what freedom from what? Because like what what are you looking for freedom for from? I would think it's from yourself because I always feel this inner conflict of like doing what I want to do versus what I know I should do. And to me, the freedom part come. I mean, is we're not our own, right? So it's freedom for ourselves of those selfish desires and being pulled that way and freedom to actually go and do what you should be doing. And I mean, if someone asked me, what's your long-term goal What's your long-term why? I couldn't answer that. How can anybody answer that? Chili can. What's your long-term why, Chili? Well, in a real general sense, I could answer it. It's what he wants. Chili knows what it said. He knows what he wants. Yeah, I mean, but it doesn't matter what we want. Yeah, I mean, this is this can get to be an odd conversation, and I, I feel like you're ta- we're talking about multiple things at once. But like, when you say you don't know your long-term why. You absolutely do. You've articulated it before. No, well, maybe generally I could answer that question, well, but well, not specifically. Well, why would the, that need to be more specific than, like, uh, this may not be exactly how you'd say it, but to be a servant of Christ. 
Why would it need to be more specific than well, that? That's wouldn't. pretty specific. It wouldn't be. I don't it, feel like that's broad. But then when we're talking, maybe that's what you're getting at of talking about multiple things because we're talking about like why do the race. That's right. very specific. And right. your long-term why is really who you are, right? This is why, this is why faith is so important. This is why faith in Christ and and all this is is so such an important aspect of the human experience because i don't believe any any human being um can solve all of these these questions we've been asking of ourselves and i don't believe anyone can can accurately solve all of these things in order to live a complete, fulfilled, and purposeful life without faith, because I I believe this is really getting at at one one of the roots of why faith is so important. Because your why, in all reality, the only sustainable why would be the root of what you are wanting is to be more conformed into the image of Christ through whatever whatever activity, whether it's uh, suffering through a race or whether it's serving or um, whether it's a career or whatever it may be, like that, your, your ultimate objectives when they are tied to faith in Christ in terms of what do you what do you want what you ought to do what is your why if you have faith all of those things are always answered and you if i say for this race well why am i doing this race well i i would i could i could easily say so that uh christ is is glorified through this through this act, I won't cry. Now, that being said, that would that means that my actions during have to be dictated by what I ought yeah. to do in Christ, right? But faith answers all of these questions for us. What, where, where I get confused, where I confuse myself, is when. I forget the ultimate root of the answers to all of these things. And I tried to put my own carnal desire. I tried to plug that in to the why or to the what or to any of that, right? When it's all already been answered in Christ. Well, I think the what is still hard (laughs) because you could argue why, why this specific race versus another opportunity you know something else Mm -hmm. like that's that doesn't seem clear to me like at least i could be like well would i be better sir would it be better somewhere you know is this the right thing yeah yeah i mean like i would like to be able to answer myself like why that specifically why is that gonna maximize what i'm trying to do or for for me for me i i get i totally get what you're saying for me when that when that comes up i i can usually answer that by saying 
Well, this fits within the realm of the gifts that Christ has given me as his little piece in his body, right? So this particular event that's coming up, it fits the gifts, the physical and mental gifts that Christ has given me as his little member within his body, right? So there are very few other servants of Christ that can glorify him through this particular activity. And and that doesn't make me special because there's a lot of other people who are glorifying Christ through other activities that that I it doesn't fit my gifting, right? <clears throat> and so that's how I personally approach that. Well, another thing you could argue, and I'm not saying that I that this is what I would say is happening necessarily, but I think you could you could you could think like God I don't know that he that, that you would just say God gave you the desire, but you have an undeniable I mean it's it, look at how it's working out. You you've seen this race, you heard about it, you thought about it, you talked about it, you started training for it, you've ultimately signed up for it, you've it's just it's just happening. Yeah. <laughs> that and it tends and, to be the way of my life. Right. You you could argue that that it's just what you're supposed to I'm high, it's it's tough to to really say that but that basically the right thing for you to do is what you end up doing. It's it's what God put in front of you. It's what mm-hmm. I I don't know. Uh there's I, mean, I feel like there's some issues with that but sometimes your why is what will get you through what you should be doing. If you look at your Navy SEAL training, your why got you through that, you know, why you wanted to do it, why you were there doing it. But the why that God had for it was totally different, and you didn't even know that. Yeah. But you had enough why to be able to get through that so he could use it in the end. So, yeah, you know, your why can just be enough to get you through it so that you can serve God's purpose. You might not know Oftentimes, I would say you probably don't know his why in doing yeah. what you're doing. Well, no. That's true. But you need to understand why you want to do it enough so that you can accomplish it so that he can use it. That's true. It's just interesting how we end up doing the things that we do because particularly someone like Chad who's saying, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> I can do whatever I want. Well, man, when you can do anything, how do you pick something? Boy, it's hard to pick something out of out of a, a an options list that includes everything. Mm-hmm. That's awfully hard. Yeah. But it always ends up getting boiled down to something. How? That's a tough question to answer. Exactly how that happens, mm-hmm. but, but because his, his will is being done, Chili. Well, that would that's the only thing that makes sense. But then that's why everything for me turns into a, a free will question. Yeah. It always does. You know, but no, that's, that's, um, yeah, very interesting. Well, that was the first part of um, what I wanted to discuss from the basic course. And if you guys don't know what the basic course is, that's a mission that we run here at 37 Project. And uh, it's select. It's by application only. 
it's three days in the wilderness, and um, it's pretty, it's pretty tough, pretty legit. We got to see, uh, we got to see some real struggle this past mission. The other thing that I wanted to discuss was uh, lessons from Walter. Mm. Lessons from Walter. What did you guys, what's the big takeaway from Walter that you guys got this weekend? By, by the way, if you don't know who Walter is, Walter's 74, right? Is that what he said? I think. Yeah, yeah 73, I think. Se- 73, 74, something like that. Let's just go with 73. Give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> um, Walter's a 73-year-old man. He lived in a teepee for 21 years. And then he met his wife, and they moved out of their teepee and into a house somewhere. Uh, he won't. He will not come on the podcast. Chili already invited him. Chili or Blake, one of you guys invited him on the podcast, and he said, "No, nah, I don't perform well under pressure." Yeah, Blake invited him, and I said, "Yeah, I don't like him either." And he said, "Good." <laughs> so Walter goes out. He he carries a 110-pound pack, and he goes out into the wilderness during the most worst seasons of the winter, and he goes out solo for a month at a time, which is really difficult. If you've never done a solo type of backpacking mission, I've done one before. It was only four days long, and after about two days... You get to wanting to find somebody just to say hey to. I'm telling you. And traditionally, I don't even like people. But to be able to go out for that amount of time solo, uh, and the majority of the time where he's at, he's not seeing other people. And he, uh, I, I don't know, he's just a really unique person. To be doing what he does, especially at the age that he is. And we got to spend some time with Walter this weekend. He fell in with us yeah. at the basic course. Seamlessly. Seamlessly fell in with us. And uh, it's always a good time when you get to see Walter. So what'd y'all what'd you guys get from Walter this weekend? Man, you as far as a lesson from him? Whatever. Man, that's that's tough because really a lot if you think about it. Just just his life and the way he carries himself. I mean, I didn't talk to him that much. So it would it would be a lesson that you just kind of glean from the way he is, the way you know he is based off of, of what you saw. I talked to him for a little bit and I uh I really like one thing, well, I like a lot of things about him, but the one thing that stood out the most is it's it's the way he carries himself. But but it's I'm not. It's very hard for me to articulate it. He's such a unique person. You know, you've told me legends about him and stories about him, and I was interested to meet him. And then he just appears. So I was very excited, and uh, he's just somebody that you immediately like upon meeting him. I mean, it takes about five seconds, and you're like, yep, I like Walter. And uh, there's just something about 
the way he interacts with people where he he's just pretty unbothered by anything. I mean, like he's just really unbothered by just about dang anything. And that's probably the best way to pinpoint what I like about him. He's just he's just very unbothered and uh very low stress. And I like the way he, I talk to him very little, but I like the way he thinks about things. It's just it's unique. And that's what I like about it. He did impart a lesson on us that uh, I'm actually not going to share, but it was, I like that as well. So, Yeah, I love that, um, well, like Chili said, he's unbothered by anything. I also love that Walter is not, I, I think this is an essential aspect if you actually want to become a legendary human. Which Walter is a legendary human. Yeah. Um, he ain't trying to be. He don't give a crap, man. He is not. Walter is not making an effort to go out and do something extremely difficult in order to become a legend. He's just doing what he loves to do, man. And I think another thing about the way he carries himself, he just seems just full of joy man yeah i think that's one thing that makes you like him so much he just seems full of joy he don't have nothing he don't have he has i mean who knows walter could be a multimillionaire, but <laughs> who knows but he was wearing the same clothes that he was wearing when we saw him two years ago <laughs> right and they hit quoting him it looks like he's been working on diesel engines in these clothes he's wearing well, his Crocs were sweet. Yeah. and But he just seems full of joy, man, with his 100-pound pack and, you know, his yeah. little, bit of, little bit of possessions that he has. And I think that's another thing that draws you to him big time. Did you yeah. take anything from Walter? Yeah. I mean, I think it was interesting how he remembered that very simple question you asked him. Two years ago, when we saw yeah. him, what was his most, what was his favorite or most important piece of gear? Yep. Yeah, and so it. I mean, I think maybe I'm wrong, but I'm. I think that's because he has taken time to go be alone, be in the wilderness, pare everything down to the bare minimums. And when that happens, your interactions are much more meaningful than when you have ten thousand interactions a day with yes. people that you're seeing, and you have so many things going on in your life and so much noise and. But when you pare all that down, each interaction and each question, you can actually give it the credit that it's due. Because that question that you asked, you probably just asked it in passing. I mean, you probably wanted to know because he's experienced out there. But if you would, if he would have asked you, hey, you remember that you asked me about my gear two years ago? You'd have been like, I don't, I don't know, Walter. Maybe you would have, but likely many people wouldn't have. And so I think, I think that's a big lesson is just, you know, I, I like gear and I like things like that, but I also don't like having it because I, I like to get it and then I realize I've accumulated too much. And then I just like... <laughs> and then you bring it all to my house. And then I clear out of it and I'll be out of it for a while and then I'll accumulate it again. And so uh, I think that's just a kind of a testament to actually having less. You, you give things the proper credit that they're due. I mean, how many interactions do we overlook or 
not give the due credit that they that they should have been because we have so many so much going on or or we just like I said you have maybe you have 10 or 15 com- long conversations in a day you're over it you're like I don't care about talking about this but his response to that question was also interesting he said Chad you remember when you asked me that question about my gear he had thought about it for two years yeah he had he had <laughs> and still didn't have a solid answer because he changed it. I told you, or I was thinking in my head, well, Walter, he probably doesn't, but go ahead, go ahead and tell us what you got to say. And Well, the answer he gave me two years ago was his 15-degree uh, Western Mountaineering sleeping bag. Yeah. Yep. All right. But then he thought about it, and yep. he said, oh, I wish I, I, wish I would have told you the real answer. Yep. And he said, the most important thing you can have is not in your backpack. It's a willing heart. Yep, a and willing I, heart. I thought, well, that's pretty good because no matter what, regardless of what your situation is, backpacking or anything, it doesn't matter what gear you've got. If you don't have the willing heart to do it, you could have the most powerful gear on earth and it ain't going to do you no good if you don't have a heart that's willing to go do what you should be doing or what, you, what you're wanting to do. So that's what I got. Yeah, a willing heart. Then he looked at me and said, well, actually, it's probably underwear. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, and then a willing heart. <laughs> I was like, well, I'll take that. The The biggest lesson I got from Walter this weekend was a very profound lesson. And and, and just to give you guys some context, we, we gleaned all of this stuff from this man over the course of maybe an hour, all right? And the biggest one was when, you, at the basic course, you have many areas along the route where you have to make navigational decisions in other words the trail you're following is it it turns one way and then you have you either have a fork in the trail or it turns one way and there might be like a little open place where you could go instead right not even a trail and so I've always observed the students at the basic course, which, by the way, we've ran 26 missions. So over 200 people we've ran through this mission. And I've, I've always I've gotten the opportunity to observe these individuals at these same points time and time again and see what decisions they make. And generally... Generally, the students all make the same wrong decisions at these key points. And um, there are a couple of them. And I've always wondered, like, it's obvious which way you should go. It's obvious. If you just have your eyes open and you're, you're looking, it's obvious which way you should go. But you, you always go the wrong dang way. Why the crap are you doing this? And so we came up on one of those points while Walter was with us. And I said, watch this, Walter. They're going to go the wrong direction. Watch this. And he kind of laughed about it. And sure enough, the students all went the wrong direction. And then Walter walks over and he said, you know why everybody goes the wrong way? He said, because look, look at the way you're supposed to go. Look at the right way. 
And the right way you're supposed to go leads you off a steep embankment and across a river and then back up a steep embankment on the other side. And he said, the reason people always go the wrong way isn't because it's not obvious the way that they should go. There's actually a marker there pointing you the direction that you are supposed to go. But they miss that too. The reason they don't go that way it's because they don't want to go that way. Look look at that. Look, you got to go down that steep embankment. You got to climb over this log. Then you got to cross a river and you got to go back up the other embankment. And he said, the reason they all go the wrong way is because it's easier. And they're looking at the way that they, they're looking for the easiest way, Right? And that's the and so I thought he, he said it's a it's a mind thing that they're not seeing where they should go. They're only seeing what they want to see. And so I thought, you know what? I think he's on to something. So I watched this team at these other key points along the route that are very similar to this one. And every single time this particular team would always just take the easier way, even though it was the wrong way, every single time. Even if it was blatantly obvious, if they would have just opened their eyes and looked, they would have seen where they should have went. And it even got to the point at the end of Saturday when and this it it got especially obvious when they got really tired and they were looking for that second creek crossing mm-hmm. right and they they're going down this this path and they're looking for a a, a second creek crossing a river crossing and um they literally all they could see was that creek crossing. Even though it wasn't there, they were trying to see it. <laughs> and it wasn't there. Yeah. But they were so, because of their fatigue and their, they, they just, a lot of them had shut down and a lot of them had, at that by that point, just given up. They were surviving. They hadn't eaten in hours, all, all due to their own fault. That they were trying so hard to see something that wasn't there just to make their lives easier. And I thought, holy smokes, man. Oh, Walter was right. This is exactly what's happening. They want to see what they want to see. And they're so blinded by their desire to see what they want to see, which is the easy route that's going to take them into camp, that they can't actually see where they need to go. Can any of y'all relate to that? Hmm. Are any of y'all doing that in life? You're you're so opposed to taking the right way that leads you to where you actually need to end up, but you're so opposed to it because you know how how difficult it's going to be. You don't want to climb that mountain, right? So you just keep diverting... To, the, to what you, looks like the easier path, hoping that it's going to 
might it might end up being right. You keep diverting to it, and then you just end up wandering around in the wilderness for your entire life. A lot of lives have been wasted just wandering around in the wilderness, never leading to the right place because we're only seeing what we want to see and we refuse to look at the path that we ought to travel because we don't want to actually climb that mountain or cross that river or overcome that obstacle. What do y'all think about that? Yeah, I think adding much more would do it a disservice. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, what he said was profoundly true. Yeah, he was exactly right. I, I haven't, I haven't, I've done this mission 26 times over the course of the last three years, and that has never registered with me. Maybe it hadn't registered with me because that's not the way my person personally, that's at least in that wilderness environment, that's not the way my mind ticks. Like I, I'm I don't care out there if I have to cross a river. I don't care if I have to climb a mountain. So I'm always looking for the right way. So it re- wasn't registering with me why these people that we train, that we get to train why they do what they do at all these certain points. Yeah. But it finally clicked with me this weekend. Yeah. I don't think if you had asked me why the, those same mistakes are made, I would have said what he said. I don't think I would have said that. Yeah. I mean, I think I would have just said because, you know, th- these are, these are where it's, it's all the points that are less obvious than the rest. And they, you know, they just make the mistake. I mean, I, I don't think I would have said that either. No, it's never registered. Has it, has it ever registered with you, Blake? No, I never, never considered that. But I think it, it ties kind of back in with our original topic of knowing your why. And then I was going to even ask or say that equally important to knowing your why is asking yourself why that's your why, because them like. Why are you trying to turn there? Well, because I want to get to camp. Why do you want to get to camp? Because I'm worn out and tired. Instead of just doing what's right, they wanted to do what they wanted to do. And so I think it ties back in, in perfectly. But I never considered that until until he said that. And I think it's uh, I think it's true in a lot of situations out there and then even even as, you know, in life in general. Yeah. Day-to-day yeah. life. All right, I'm going to leave you guys with a little bit of scripture here. If you're watching on YouTube, what's up, YouTube? If you're watching on YouTube, if you have any questions, drop them in the comments, and we'll take them here in just a second. All right, while I read this scripture. John 14. This should resonate with many of you guys. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This is Christ talking. He's telling the disciples, you believe in God, believe also in me. He's saying, I haven't let you down. Trust me, guys. That's what he's saying. Let not your heart be troubled. Trust me. I haven't let you down. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. 
The place that God has prepared for you is a real place. It is not some spirit land. It is not some intangible dimension. It is a place. Jesus says, I am going to prepare a place for you at my father's house. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Let not your hearts be troubled. Christ says, you believe in God, believe in me also. He has prepared a place for you, a real place. I just wanted to encourage you guys with that scripture, that simple scripture that Jesus left for us that was recorded by John. And um, don't lose sight of that, man. We got any questions from YouTube? Don't get mad, but we don't really. We had one <laughs> super chat, $20 from Stephen Miller. Well, dang, thank you, Stephen. Stephen. We appreciate your support, brother. He said to send one of them stickers to somebody here using that chat. Say what? What are we supposed to do? Send a sticker to somebody. Just send a sticker? I can do that. Chilling handle that. Just a random one? No, the turd sticker. Yeah, but to a random person? Yeah. Okay. I'll do it. Okay. There ain't many of these later turd stickers out, are there? No, man. It's like 40 of them made in existence. Yeah, and two of them are mine. We got a, a couple questions coming in here. Ian Brown, he said, how can you get better at prayer? I tend to think of the same stuff every time I pray. Huh. Well... I don't know that, um, what's the feller's name? Ian Brown. Ian. What's up, Ian? What's up, YouTube? I love it when you guys drop me some questions, man. Hey, y'all better ask. He's in the mood today. Uh, you know, you've got me and Sherbet Green here at your disposal, YouTube. And, <laughs> and, I mean, how often? Like, I don't even think anybody else live streams there. I'm sure there are a few people, but very few people live stream the podcast. Yeah, it's pretty rare. Um, it's pretty rare. It's like we're all sitting in the same room together, guys. What the crap, man? Uh, hey, Ian, better at prayer. I, I don't, I, you know, this reminds me of a part in Scripture. I wish I, wish I had time to look it up for you. But there's a part in Scripture, and I think it's Jesus it may be, it may be Paul. Anyways, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Scripture talks about the the Pharisee who uses all these intricate and and, and profound words and prays and in all the time out in public and repeats all this stuff, right? And and thinking that that his words that he uses and and the 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 profound things and the repetition and the the memorization that he's achieved he in in the prayer makes a hill of beans 
it don't make a hill of beans. Yeah. None none of it does. None of it does. When when you seek when you cry out to God the Father in prayer it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how you say it. It's the it's really what really what matters is the posture of your heart. That that's really all that matters. Um, in fact, there's a verse that says the Holy Spirit will intercede with groanings too deep for words. If you yeah, if you if you don't have any words, yeah. And 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 I one of the beautiful things about Christ, maybe that we've we sometimes we lose sight of, Christ Jesus is our high priest seated in heaven at the right hand of God, and Christ makes intercession for us on our behalf. Um, so, you know, Jesus laid out for us, uh, he actually taught, I imagine he and his disciples had the same question. How do we pray? This follows right after the disciples, I mean, the, um, the Pharisee story. Yeah. It's disciples. So many, many, many people have had the same question. How do I get better at prayer? And Jesus says, oh, here, let me lay it out for you real quick. Our father who who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespass as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen means so be it. All right? We see all the components within the way that Christ told us to pray, the posture of our heart, thanksgiving, praise, requesting uh, forgiveness for our sins, molding us more into, conforming us more into him, his image by allowing us and teaching us to forgive those who forgive us, right, in the same way that he does. Um, requesting for provision. Christ said, only ask me, God, to give you this day your daily bread. That is your provision. Your daily bread today. All right? So, Ian, if you're worried about getting better at prayer, there's no such thing. It's not a performance. That's right. If, if, if you... Um, if you posture your heart in the right way toward God in thanksgiving, in, 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 in reverence of him, and you simply pray the way Jesus told you to pray, that covers all your bases, man. That's it. That's my answer to that question. We got another one here from Cass Walden. Cass is 17-year-old from Trenton. Cass, what's up, boy? From Trenton, Georgia? Yeah. I'll be dang. Dade County. He said, uh, what's a good way to help friends who aren't really following the faith, but they are, but say they are religious, but will say to you, you are just on a high horse when you try to talk to them. So I take it his friends maybe claim Christianity, and he's saying that I try to live it, and when I do, they're essentially saying, no, you're just on your high horse. You're not really. Well, well, I thank you. You made you made a get given 
Cass's statement there. He said his friends treat him like he's on a high horse when he tries to talk, talk to them. Yeah. Cass, talk less to them and just live it, man. Right? Let that they will eventually when they're ready for you to talk to them. If you're li- if you're living if you're living it in front of them, a few of them will eventually get to the point where they are ready for you to then talk to them about why you are who you are. They will approach you and say, Hey Cass, I see you're different than, than I am and everybody else that we hang out with. Why is that? And then that's when it's time to talk to them, right? Because you can talk to people about your faith and and the gospel until you're blue in the face. And unless they are in a position in life where, one, they see the need for it, they desire it, and they're ready to receive it, they're not going to hear it. You're not going to convince anyone, right? Life itself, if they're intelligent enough, will eventually beat them down to the point where they see a need for it, they desire it, and, they're, and they want to receive it. And then that's when you can talk to them. Just keep living it out, man. That's all you can do. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say as soon as I heard that question is you're going to have to live it out uh, and just let, let that fall where it may. And, and that, that's what I wanted to add is that's hearing that is actually difficult because you go, well, no, I want to tell them something that will help change them. I want like just living it out. Feels like I'm not doing what all I can do. I think that often feels that way to people. It, it, you know, it can for me with, with different things. It's like, well, no, that feels too passive. It feels like I need to be more, more proactive in doing something other than just living by example. And they may or may not see it, but, but I think that's more powerful than, than we realize. And, and really in, in a situation like that, the most effective thing you can do. So I know that's hard, but, but really that's, that's the way to do it. I think, you know, it, it's the most effective thing. It's, it's hard because it's, you, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard because you're like, man, if I'm supposed to be living this out and trying to help them through my actions, and then you can think about everything you do. And you're like, man, why am I doing that then? Mm-hmm. That's not, that's not doing any good. So it yeah. can actually help the way you think about your own actions. So, I think that's an important thing. And, and you better just go ahead and accept the fact that not all of them are, are going to come to you and ask you why. It's going to be a very small percentage. We talked about this coffee company right here in town, this Sharp Sickle. We talked about them earlier on the episode. I've heard people, I've heard Christians, Christians in leadership position within our town, Talk about these people at this coffee company and call them a cult. I've heard many people, Christians, calling these people a cult. You know why they're calling them a cult? Because these people live like they're separate 
from the world. Mm -hmm. You walk into this place, these people will pray with you. These people talk about Jesus openly. These people have graphic images of the human heart and God painted on their front glass of their shop. They're, they're being called a cult because they're living it out. This is my perspective. These people are living it out in a way you can't help but look separate from the world if you are living out the gospel of Christ. And so the biggest majority of even Christians are going to think that you're a weirdo. They're going to think that you're part of some cult just by simply doing what Christ, doing your best to do what Christ told you to do. Because that's going to make you look so much different. Think about us here on this podcast. I, I don't know what, what other people say, if they say anything about this podcast. But um, we don't really do here on this podcast, we don't talk about the same things that anybody else is talking about. We look completely different than anybody else. And all the rest of them generally look the same. They're talking about the same crap. They're having the same people on. They're, trying to, they're all trying to do the same thing. It's not going to be popular, man. But you're doing it for the few people who you can talk to and share with and help. And that's enough. I got one more for you. Good, because that's all I can handle. This is from Frank R. He Frank, says, what's up, brother? Chad, why are you so hard on Chili and Blake? <laughs> look Frank you don't get to see behind the scenes man you don't get to see behind the scenes well don't get mad at him now Frank these guys are ruthless to me I mean they are looks it, don't it? they are slap yeah. ruthless to me okay I am not hard on these guys in comparison to how hard they are on me. So if you had a look behind the scenes, Frank, you would understand. Um, but, you know, I am the old bull, son. And if these guys, these guys are real prone to getting a little soft, all right? Got to prod that whole bull. Uh, these two right here are a little prone to getting soft, <laughs> and so it's it's on my shoulders to make sure that they uh, that they're ready. Okay, so when I'm hard on them, it's for their benefit and it's for your benefit. YouTube. Well, I actually wanted to. I I, I knew Chad was going to run out of questions, and we invited him to ask. So I wanted to answer one more. He asked it for Chad, 
but since Chad's over it, I'm going to help answer it. Okay. It was from Larry Bird. Uh-huh. Did you see him on there? Yeah, Larry's always on here. Yeah, I, I, good old Larry Bird, Isn't man. He a basketball player? Yeah, I don't think it's that Larry Bird. Oh, no, it is. Oh, it's it's the, it's the Celtic. Yeah, yeah. Well, I dag. Where did he gra- where did he graduate college? Indiana State. Okay. Uh, What's up, Larry? Come on out here and play some basketball with us sometime, <laughs> man. Well, uh, he asked you. You can answer it if you'd like, but if you're not, then I'm going to answer it because I think it's a good question. Switching topics, but if you have very limited time to work out, what do you suggest Larry Bird does? <laughs> you need to make more freaking time to work out, Larry. <laughs> Well, I'll tell him, it all depends on your fitness level, but if you have a very, very short amount of time, I would do something really, really hard in that time. Like I would, hyperventilation techniques? <laughs> yeah. No, I'd make it real intense, and if all you can handle is a two-mile hard run because you've got less than 20 minutes or whatever, well, then, hey, go do it. Um, if you can, if you've got 20 minutes, do a dang as many... Uh, 10, you know, five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 20 air squats or whatever, some some uh, 15 air squats, some rotation like that until you've run out of time. I mean, that that's that's the best way to do it. Whatever you can, whatever you can handle, whatever intensity you can pack in. Because 20 minutes or whatever you got ain't a long time. He said he's currently driving a truck across the states. Okay, well... That's that's tough, but uh, I'd just recommend doing something like that. You need no equipment, and you can pack some intensity into a short amount of time and get after it. I'd get one of them grip things. Just do like <laughs> this. You know what I'm talking about? Like those Captains of Crush grippers? Yeah. And uh, just sit there while he's driving and do that yep. in one hand and just switch after a while? Yep. <laughs> Look, Larry, you need to talk to our boy, Bruce. Bruce you need to talk to our boy, Bruce. Bruce said, huh. yeah, Chad said it, but um, my little one-hour-a-day workout, huh, I was kidding myself. <laughs> that is what he said. He said, boy, I was kidding myself about that. Good old Bruce, man. Well, the last <laughs> recommendation was from Andrew DePietro. He said, get you a shake weight. <laughs> Dang shake weight, man! Shake weight. No, I'm I'm serious, Larry. You won't get no better advice than that. Pack it in. Yep. I, I, if you go do 50 air squats, a lot of people won't get out of the dang truck to do that because they go, "Well, it's barely anything. It seems silly." Oh, it's better than doing none. So I I knew a guy when I was when I was in the Navy. There was an old retired guy that worked with us, and. He always carried around these bands, mm-hmm. and and he would sit in the dang office, and he just had these bands, and he would just constantly, like, he would attach the band to the bottom of his foot, and he would just do curls, man, yeah. or he would just be doing shoulder, like, just all throughout the day, he was just doing these exercises with these bands. Mm-hmm. This dude was ripped, Did man. you say all throughout the day? While we were in the, if we were like working out of the yeah. office, yeah. Well, that's another thing is he, uh, Larry, if he's driving a truck all day, may not have, you know, 10 minutes here, 15 minutes here, five minutes here. Uh, but if, if that's you, then get out and do what I just said. Like just, if you got two minutes, go, go do a set of max push ups in two minutes. You got five minutes later in the day, go do some 
pull-ups if you got a pull-up bar or push-ups and air squats max in the five minutes working out in little little spurts like that throughout the day that can actually be it, well, it depends on what type of fitness you're going for more effective than than a than a one hour long workout because you yeah. the, because you stay fresh for every set throughout the day and you can really maximize the total old workout technique called greasing the groove you'd have to do it a little different than what i said to actually do it properly but uh th- that freaking works you'll get strong quick doing that too greasing the groove grease greasing the groove okay i like that yep greasing the groove all right all right guys well, larry man. teach me how to shoot man yeah this is larry you quit basketball and went to driving truck, a truck truck driver Apparently, that's a that's a career change right there, huh? Yeah. Well, all right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. We'll see y'all next Wednesday, Lord willing. Hold that sticker up for him. Later, turds. (laughs) Enough said.